Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. A couple in uh, Cheshire, England, were finally going to have their wedding. The pandemic had twice delayed it. Uh, first it was planned for June of 2020, then rescheduled for May of 2021, and, and, and then rescheduled again September of 2021, and everything looked like a go this time. However, on the way to the wedding, the classic car that the bride and her parents were riding in started sputtering. And then it died, and it wouldn't restart. And here they were then, stranded on the side of the road, with time running out and panic setting in. Along came a British police officer, um, Inspector Matt Geddes. And he heard of their plight, and he offered them all a lift to get to the wedding. And as he was driving to the church then, several miles away, he asked, what kind of an entrance do you want us to make? And the bride's father said, make it a big one. And so Inspector Geddes put on the blues and the twos, which is, uh, he, he pulled up to the church then with uh, blue lights flashing and a two-tone siren blaring. And the bride made this grand entrance that day, and the wedding took place as scheduled. The unusual arrival at the wedding that day uh, brought a lot of smiles to the people there, and, and they talked about it for, for days to come. And I share that example uh, as, as one where circumstances looked bleak and yet, in some respects, turned out even better than planned. The, the text that we're going to look at today is a continuation of what we covered last Sunday in Philippians chapter 1. And we pick it up at verse 12 after Paul has greeted the folks at Philippi and he's reminded them of all that they have in Christ and, and he's told them how thankful he is uh, for their fellowship in the gospel of Christ. And, and then he goes on here in these verses to tell them about his, his uh, present circumstances. Circumstances that we would at first think to be very bleak. And, and yet he shows them a different way of looking at them. And I invite you to look with me at that. And if you happen to bring your uh, Philippians journal, um, I'll be reading um, during this series, I'll be using the ESV uh, translation as we go along in that. Would you stand in reverence to God's word? I <clears throat> also want to say that I trust that as we consider this text today, the Lord might have some of us thinking about some of our maybe discouraging circumstances in our lives or of those that we know of and help us also to see some of them in a different light. Beginning with verse 12, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known through the whole um, imperial guard and to all the rest of that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. <clears throat> 
not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word, through the Apostle Paul to a congregation he sought to encourage, even as he was going through some challenging circumstances. Lord, help us to learn from his perspective uh, on that, uh, to learn your perspective, really, um, about things in our lives that we deal with as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Seeing things from another angle can make a lot of difference. And so it was with the circumstances in the Apostle Paul's life when he wrote this letter to the congregation at Philippi. Well, just what were those circumstances? Well, first of all, let's just say this. They, they were not at all what he had planned. They were actually quite an accumulation of circumstances that brought him to this point. So let's go back and just look at what had happened to him. It was after his third missionary journey that he traveled back to Jerusalem um, to report to folks there at the Mother Church all kinds of things that God had done and how both Jews and Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus all over Asia Minor and Macedonia and Greece. However, there were some Jewish leaders in, in Jerusalem that didn't believe in Jesus. And, and, and they considered Paul then a, a traitor of the Jewish uh, religion and, and they stirred up the crowd so that they had him dragged out of the temple. And they were ready to kill him, had he not been rescued by some Roman soldiers, who then arrested him and put him in chains. The next day, they released him to be brought before a Jewish council, and after attempt, uh, attempting to verbally defend himself and testify of Jesus Christ, it still got the council stirred up that, again, the Roman commander rescued him and put him back in prison. Well, word got to Paul and to that commander of a plot to have Paul killed, even there. And Paul was then escorted in the middle of the night by 200 soldiers all the way to the Roman-built city of Caesarea, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And there, he ended up spending two years imprisoned and waiting while Roman middle-level rulers and, and Jewish king couldn't make up their mind just what to do with him. And eventually, because he'd appealed his case be brought to Caesar, they put him on a ship bound for Rome. However, there was a storm that came up on the sea, and, it, and that storm lasted for 14 days, and it swamped the ship, and, and Paul and the others barely survived, and they made it to an island where they had to stick out the rest of the winter. Three months later, again then, but on another ship and set sail and arrived in Rome. And there Paul spent the next two years in, in rented quarters, but still under constant guard, waiting for his time to have that audience with Caesar. And so now you see the accumulation of negative circumstances that had added up in Paul's life, much more than just having a bad day or even having to wait two years for a wedding. Not at all what he had planned. Along with that, then his circumstances presently were that he had no freedom to come and go. He was imprisoned, even though the conditions weren't to the extreme of some of the 
prison experiences he had previously, still he was not free, and also he had no privacy. He was constantly guarded. I, and I, I've read different things on this here uh, as far as what actually that might have looked like. Some have suggested maybe even he was daily chained to, another, to a Roman soldier, and then there would be a different one each day. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the case, but, but uh, there was always at least a guard nearby listening in on every conversation as, as Paul had Christian friends in Rome that would come and visit him. And, and so he was being watched constantly, and he had no privacy. And there was also no clear end in sight, at least for two years. And as I mentioned, he, he was here in Rome waiting trial for at least two years, and, and he didn't know then if and when he, he might get that audience with Caesar or not, um, or, or if he might maybe even be killed instead. And so one wouldn't blame him if uh, he got a bit depressed, waiting and wondering. That was Paul's circumstances. Now, let's just pause and think about, how about yours today? Do any of you currently have any negative circumstances in your life? Now, if there's somebody here who doesn't, would you please raise your hand? Because we'd all like to know your secret. Life on this earth is, is full of daily hassles and complications to our plans. And, and then there are the bigger, overwhelming problems concerning our health or our relationships or our financial dealings. And, and there are times when our freedoms seem taken away, times when there seems no end in sight to the problem that we're living with. And so how do we deal with the negative circumstances? Let's go back and look at what Paul says about his circumstances. Verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The New American Standard says it this way. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So what we have here then is a different angle of looking at Paul's situation. Looking at it from the angle of the progress of the gospel. So let's just stop and say, what is the gospel? Gospel means good news. And the gospel that Paul was proclaiming was that there is good news for all sinners, no matter who you are or what you've done, even though you have deliberately disobeyed the moral standards that have been set by your Creator, and you deserve eternal condemnation. Yet God, in His mercy, has provided a Savior in Jesus Christ, His Son, and whoever believes in Him believes that that death on the cross that He accomplished covers your sin and you are forgiven and you are promised eternal life in heaven someday. That is the good news. That is the gospel. Well, Paul's imprisonment did not defeat the gospel. Did not defeat that good news. Here, now think about it. This guy who was a world traveler missionary who had gone on three missionary journeys and, and he'd helped to start at least a dozen churches. And here he was, grounded and imprisoned. Is he a failure? Is his message now being silenced? Not at all. Instead, Paul's way of looking at it is this. He's thinking he now has a captive audience with whom he can share the gospel. And he didn't have to go anywhere. They were coming to him, one after another, guard day after day, whom he had then one-on-one -on -one witnessing time with. And they couldn't even leave him if they weren't interested. 
They also heard and when Paul had friends come and visit, Christian friends from the church there in Rome, and they, they heard them as they talked about Jesus Christ and spreading the gospel, and they, and they heard them pray together and things like that. And the result sometime in those two years of regular changing of the guards there what was that word of this imprisonment in the cause of Christ spread. It spread among the elite in the capital of the world at that time. Well, let me just explain. Just who were these soldiers that guarded Paul? Verse 13 calls them the imperial guard. Another translation says the praetorian guard or the palace guard. They were an elite force of soldiers in the Roman army with responsibility to guard Caesar himself and do whatever Caesar desired, including then they were spread out across the Roman Empire um, to special Roman cities that uh, Caesar had built and so on. And there were nine cohorts of a thousand men each that were a part of this. And these soldiers then received double pay and special privileges and, they <clears throat> and their favor was courted by the emperor. And what Paul is saying here then about this impressive royal guard group is this. Verse 13, he says, It became known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest. What became known? That my imprisonment is for Christ or in the cause of Christ. Lenski in his commentary describes this, and I love how he says this here. He says, for two years, day after day, soldier after soldier, his daily guards heard all he said and did and, and talked about it in their barracks, became interested in the case. And when it was now up for hearing, when it was established that the imprisonment had to do with this Christ of Paul's teaching, the whole influential body of the imperial guard became thoroughly conversant with and interested in the case. And not only that, but... <clears throat> Lenski goes on to say this, that the people of the capital of the world and its dominating military force in the remarkable providence of God through this lowly prisoner Paul heard the gospel story of Christ. Imagine it if today Jesus Christ became the talk of Washington, D.C. Wouldn't that be a nice switch from the stuff going there on these days? Well, back to our text here. Paul's imprisonment definitely does not defeat the gospel. Though men imprisoned him, he believed that God placed him there and that God gave him an audience there as well. And that's not all, but Paul also recognized here then that the Christian brethren there in Rome and probably other places too were emboldened by it, emboldened to spread the gospel. Verse 14 here, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord, by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And I think you and I can relate to this, can't we? We, we too, at times, maybe are kind of hesitant to uh, even bring up the subject of Jesus Christ in our conversation. But on the other hand, if he's already being talked about in a conversation, we're more likely to speak up about our faith as well. And in addition, when, when we see someone else boldly standing for their faith, even when they're facing consequences like persecution or imprisonment, we are emboldened to be willing to do the same. And I think of examples of that even for me in the last year. And I think of Pastor John MacArthur in, in California being, being willing to defy the governor's extended order to keep churches closed and congregations unable to meet. And, and MacArthur said something like this here. He said, I've never been a missionary in prison before, but I'm willing to go there if that's where God wants me. 
or Pastor James Colts up there in Alberta, Canada, who actually spent time in prison for keeping his congregation meeting when they were having only 15% allowed to meet. Or I think of Christians in Afghanistan willing to lose their lives in the hands of the Taliban just by standing for faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how does that saying go? The, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. God uses fellow believers that are persecuted for their faith to inspire more witnesses. <clears throat> Paul mentions another way here in which the gospel was advanced as well. And he says that besides most of the brethren gaining boldness, he says that there are some others. There, there are others who spoke of Christ and spoke with wrong motives, and yet they still spread the gospel. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Verse 17, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Well, what was going on there? Well, there were Christians in Rome who were jealous of Paul, jealous of all the attention that his imprisonment was getting. Didn't they deserve some recognition too? You know, that can still happen in church today as well, that, that some people's gifts are noticed and recognized more than others, and, and jealousy can creep in. Selfish ambition isn't limited to politicians. It can be found in the church as well. But, but Paul was not going to worry about that there. If it caused them to go out and preach more in order to get some recognition somehow for themselves, as long as Christ was being proclaimed, the gospel was still being advanced, and that was the main thing in his mind. Well, Paul's circumstances were not what he had planned. They were not what any of us would want, but they were what they were, and he was determined to make the best of them. And by God's grace, he was able to do that as he, as he looked at those circumstances and <clears throat> from the angle of the progress of the gospel. Now, as you consider your circumstances today, perhaps you're in a situation you hadn't planned for. Maybe a situation you didn't wish to have at all in which you might find rather frustrating. Maybe there are even people around you that are making it worse for you. Would you ask God to help you see those circumstances in a different light? Ask him to help you see how you can use your circumstances to advance the gospel. Would you ask him how and in, 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 in what ways you could be involved in advancing the work of his church? Now, let's kind of wrap up this message with a, with a glance at some attitudes here. <clears throat> Considering Paul's attitude and yours and mine, for, for Paul and for us too, it, it has to start with personally receiving the gospel. If we haven't <clears throat> personally admitted our own sins to God and asked for forgiveness in Jesus Christ, then we really can't be of much help to anyone else. Paul knew what a sinner he was, and how much he needed the grace of God. <clears throat> and that daily motivated him to share it with others. If we've received personally <clears throat> the gospel, then our life from there on involves learning to die to self for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we sometimes call sanctification. <clears throat> in in uh, Luther's catechism, he defines that as the gracious work of the Holy Spirit by which he day by day renews me more and more in the image of God through the word and sacraments. <clears throat> it's learning to be more like Jesus, who laid down his life for others. It's, it's a realization 
that, that my life is really not my own. I've been bought with a price. It, it's an awareness then that God is in my circumstances and he has placed them there to accomplish his purposes in my life. And I have to admit, that is not easy to learn, is it? I have to learn it over and over again. Because, you know, I have my own daily agenda and it constantly gets interrupted by God's divine appointments. Last Wednesday night, <clears throat> We'd had our parents' meeting here for confirmation and, and youth group and so on, and, and I'd gone back into my office, and, and somebody stepped into the office there and said, Pastor, there's a gentleman um, out there in, in the entry who wants to talk to the pastor. Well, that usually means that there's a stranger out there that nobody else knows what to do with. Probably somebody in need of food or gas or something, I don't know. And I have to admit, I, I, I needed to check my attitude first before I went out to see the man. And, and here he was, he was homeless, and he'd been walking down Highway 10 here, heading for Wadena with a pair of shoes that was absolutely falling apart. And he was wondering if maybe we had a lost and found and there might be a used pair of shoes he could get there. That's really all he was asking for. Well, we didn't. And uh, I didn't even know if we had any duct tape around here. I asked him what shoe size he had, and he said size 11. Well, it just happens to be that I have six sons who all have size 12 feet or bigger. And that means that there are a lot of shoes at our house that got grown out of before they got worn out. And, and I actually wear some of those hand-me-downs, but there are still more in the rack, and, and I knew that. And so I, I made a trip back home and, and grabbed a couple of shoes off a rack in my garage that nobody was using that they were still in good shape, brought him here and gave him his choice. And, and he was so glad to get a new, uh, another pair of shoes to walk in. And, and then it was already getting dark, and, and uh, I drove him to Hawley. And, and we put him up for that night in the American there and, and gave him a little cash for food the next day. On the way there, I got to talk to him about Jesus as well. I've wondered since then uh, just how it went for him the next day uh, on the road to Wadena. Wondered if maybe we should have done more for him. But I do have to look back at that and say, you know, that was a divine appointment. One more time, God trying to teach me my life is not my own. And God is in my circumstances. And he sets him up to accomplish his purposes. He wants to teach us to have this daily perspective of, of living in Christ and for Christ. Living in Christ as ones who are forgiven sinners who then are considered saints because we stand in Christ's righteousness and who then recognize that we're on this earth for this purpose and that is to serve him. Living each day then also rejoicing that Christ is proclaimed. Verse 18 here, Paul says, What then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. <clears throat> May that be our greatest joy as well, as we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed to others. <clears throat> Lastly, what I see in Paul's attitude here is, is that it, um, it comes to this. This business of accepting then whatever furthers the cause. Whatever spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul relied on. <clears throat> As I think about that, I'm reminded of a letter that I, that I used to carry around in my Bible for years. 
Back in 1983, I was a youth worker in a little church in Wilmer, Minnesota for the summer, and I got a call from my parents telling me about a drowning death of a young man from my church, just three years older than me. Uh, his brother was in my class and, and was my Bible school classmate, or, and uh, roommate, I should say. Well, Brad Haugen's um, <clears throat> drowning happened in Lake Superior. Um, he was out there with some good friends from that area, and, and he was a good swimmer, but somehow he still drowned. And what impressed me was how his family dealt with that, that death. I wasn't able to go from Wilmer up to Maxwell to uh, attend the funeral. But his siblings all sang at the funeral. And his brother wrote me this letter, and uh, I'm going to share a little portion of it. He said this, God is using the death of Brad to speak to a lot of people, Christian and non-Christian. There were more than 300 people at the funeral. Many people that we would never expect to come were there. And I think that they heard a tremendous message. Then further on in the letter, he said this. <clears throat> we have talked to many people who seem to be affected a lot by what happened. I can't believe how God can use all different types of circumstances for good. We will miss Brad a lot in the days to come. But we rejoice because we can see him again someday. you think about what God's Word tells us here today, and you think about circumstances in your life, what negative circumstances are you living with that maybe you need God's help in to, to look at them in a different light? How might he use those circumstances to further spread the gospel? And, and as you look around you, do you see Christ being proclaimed? And where you see that, then let's rejoice today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for your word through the Apostle Paul written to this church at Philippi. Thank you for the personal touch here, Lord, as he tells about something in his own life and his circumstances. And Lord, thank you that you gave him the grace to uh, see them in a different light and to recognize that you were in his circumstances and you were accomplishing your purposes. Lord, help us to see things in our life that way as well, to recognize that we are not out of your sight. You know what's going on in our lives, and, and you allow those things for a purpose. And Lord, may we then humbly accept that, and may we allow you to work in our hearts also then a desire to use those circumstances to spread the gospel. Lord, if there be somebody here who doesn't know you as Savior today, I, I pray that you'd even uh, show them or, or remind them, Lord, that that you love them, that you are there for them in their circumstances, and that you want them to come to personal faith in Jesus and know forgiveness of their sin and eternal life. And Lord, that you want to spread that gospel message far and wide. May that be our goal, and may we rejoice as we see it happen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>